Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Hate People, the podcast that always pays its debt now that winter is coming or some such crap. This is episode 14, recorded Sunday, May 29th, 2016. I'm your host, Simon Potter, and with me is a man who still hasn't given up on his change.org petition for Funko to release a pop vinyl figure of Lumpy. David Hopper, how are you? <laughs> yeah, good, thank you. Um, I was going to try some sound effects. I was going to do something like... Um, walking back to the... Oh, sorry, I was just holding the door, but I didn't really pull it off. No, on a number of levels. <laughs> That's right. Your pulling off failed. Yeah, I know. I've never been good at that. Nice to be here, and um, it's only thanks to you we're here. I, I think we can pull back the curtain and say I was happily sitting on the lounge doing bugger all, actually playing some World of Warcraft when I had this lovely little ping on Skype from Simon saying, are we doing this damn podcast or not? So thank you, Simon, for being the one person switched on in this relationship uh, and getting us here. It's like eyes wide shut. Oh, I've only watched it once and I, I think I've blocked it out. I don't remember much of the story. I, I think that's probably a really good way of dealing with the movie. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to say I didn't just watch it for the nudity, but I think that was the primary driver. But was there really much nudity in it? No. Uh, from recollection, no. But I think, assuming it wasn't a body double, Nicole Kidman got a kid off. Hmm. So there wasn't a lot of TNA. <laughs> We're not going there. <laughs> well, you're the host. You can go wherever you want. Exactly. Well, there there are many places we shouldn't go, and, and one of them is probably Eurovision. Did you watch it? Yeah, look, I did. I, I have an extended family that's a bit of a fan of Eurovision, and you know, been a bit of a degrade musician myself. I, I quite like seeing how awful some of the songs are or how formulaic others. But I, I actually thought this was one of the better years for songs. There, there weren't a lot of cringeworthy, when I say not a lot, there probably only a third that were cringeworthy and the other two, another third were probably a bit formulaic and, and boring. And then there were some, some decent songs, including Australia's. Um, I think it deservedly got second and probably should have won. But I can understand the European sensibilities wouldn't have come to letting us... Antipodeans, is that what you call us? Yeah, Antipodeans actually taking out the the, the gong. Um, and I'm all, I don't even know if that would have been the issue, quite honestly. I think they just really don't like Russia. Yeah, true. <laughs> yes, they get Ukraine up. Um, and, and the one that I thought was uh, uh, really was um, ripped off was Ireland. So they, they managed to dredge up one of the former members, I think it was Westlife, you know, one of the, the British boy bands, and the actual song itself was brilliant and didn't even make the final. So I was a bit annoyed by that. But, yeah, what, what, what did you think of it? I thought it was about par for the course for Eurovision. I didn't actually watch it. Okay. I, I, I've, I have to admit my interest in it slowly dwindled which is completely contrary to the way everyone else in the country seems to feel about it because it's just gone from strength to strength over the years especially now that we've gotten involved even though graham norton clearly thinks that that's <laughs> and i love graham norton i was disappointed by those comments but i was as well i mean turkey and, and israel have got no place in it by his logic either so i don't know 
we, I think they actually need to change it. And I know it's been around for 50 years. They need to change, like, whatever. Eurovision's not the right word now. It needs to be something like, and World Vision's obviously not it, but some, you know, world-encompassing thing and let everyone go in. Make for a long show, though. Yeah, it's long enough as it is. It's easily long enough as it is. I think they should revive the old uh, Eastern Bloc version of Eurovision. Did they have? I, I, yeah, they did. They did. I think it was hosted in East Germany. Oh, that would have been great. Horrific. Yeah, All the, you, you look at some of the early Eurovision broadcasts and they were pretty horrific as well. But it would be like North Korea stuff is now, I would have thought, the, the East European Eurovision. It would have had that sort of quality about it. Yeah, it would be very much the same, including all the frequent blackouts during the broadcast. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, Australia definitely hyping it. SBS are certainly doing their best. I don't mind Julia Zemira and um, Sam Pang's commentary. It's it's not bad, but I I got hooked on Eurovision many years ago when when you got to hear Terry Wogan doing his commentary, and he was gold. Yeah, no one quite matches his, uh, his laconic style, I don't think. God rest his soul. Is he dead? Yeah, only, uh, don't quote me on it, it's either just this year or very late last year. It's only relatively recent. He died. I remember thinking, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, that is a shame. Um, And I think it was, um, see, uh, I say madly Googling. Um, (laughs) uh, It's amazing how many podcasts do allow live Googling and expect their audience to put up with it. Yeah, so he died, yeah, there you go, 31st of January this year. Oh, Oh, there we go. I have my finger on the pulse, or is it the thumb? I can never remember which I'm supposed to use. He was 77. Not a bad innings for a guy, I suppose. Had declining health in Christmas 2015. This is all from the highly reputable Wikipedia. Died of cancer. Doesn't everybody? Hopefully not, but yeah, I know what you mean. It seems that way sometimes. Cancer is a a pretty... broad description. It's a, more of a catch-hole than a condition, I think, is fair to say. It is very much so, yes. Whoops. Excuse Whoop. me if anyone just heard Brian Ferry's Let's Stick Together. I just accidentally clicked on a link. So, yes, Terry Wogan. And for those that are too young to know Terry Wogan, you've missed out. Uh, you, Terry Wogan in Eurovision was synonymous, and he had a very cutting humour with it and did it brilliantly. Yeah, he didn't really think very much of it. No. I think. So he, he thought the whole thing was a, a great steaming pile of freshly broiled bollocks. Which, to be fair, it, it, it generally is. It's, it's more of a kind of a, a car crash mentality until, of course, it got very popular with a, uh, a particularly flamboyant sector of the population. Yes. Probably its most enthusiastic supporters. Yes, like that of Captain America. Um I'm just looking. He did it for a lot of years too. So he did 1973, 78, then 1980 to 2008. That's a good innings. 28 years consecutive. No wonder he sounded pissed off with the whole thing. (laughs) You would lose the will to live after a while for sure. Because you don't have to sit through the the finale, do you? You have to sit through the, what is it, the the semis? There's two semis and a final now. And this year they had a new voting system, which I actually think uh, worked extremely well. You now don't have to listen to all the countries. Sorry, you do need to listen to all the countries dialing in their results, but the way they present their results are much shorter now. So um, it actually goes quite well. 
Well, it's only shorter if the uh, if the local celebrity they get to read the results out doesn't decide to showboat. Well, yes, and there still what there still was a bit of that, but the uh, I think it was in Sweden, the Swedish um, host was very very directive on that. She was cutting them off pretty quickly. Oh, good, good. Nice, to, nice to see a little bit of a, lo- a little bit of uh, severity from the Swedes. Yes, not not fascism. It's not 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 like their Captain America and their Hydra agents or something. I feel like we need to talk about Captain America. Do you? Yeah. Mm. Um, so something tells me he might be gay Nazi now. Well, no. I think uh, the uh, the internet seemed to be pushing for him to be gay and then there was suddenly the, the reveal that he was a, a Hydra agent. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry, if you are a comic reader, spoiler. Um, I had missed this story. I, I just saw there were some memes going around about the first issue of, you know, the 29th first issue of Captain America um, that Marvel have just released. Um, so I knew something big had happened, but so it appears they've announced he's a Hydra agent. Yes. Which... A sleeper agent or deep cover agent or whatever you want to call it. And as as I, I've... The, the whole two stories I've now read on it, they, there's quite rightly cynicism that, yeah, that's what will happen now and then in three to six months Marvel will change it back to the way it was anyway. Um, I'm going to struggle with any comic topics tonight not to go on a anti-Marvel diatribe. Oh, that's fine. That's that's what we're here for. Yeah. They're just, they lost the plot. They're like the apple of comics. Oh, uh, wow, that's a bit harsh. You mean to Marvel or to Apple? To Marvel? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure who comes off worse in that comparison, quite honestly. Well, I think Mar- most of Marvel's current stable is like iTunes. It's bloated, confusing and overhyped. Well, and the competition just rebooting their universe again isn't? Oh, no, DC, I'd argue, are just as bad. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you, Tony. After the new 52 and the huge hoo-ha, what was that, three years ago now? Be roughly that. I can't keep track. No, I can't either. Um, I'm totally cynical about both the companies. That They don't give a crap about the long-term reader. It's all about first issues to try and get in new readers. Well, they do enjoy putting number ones on things, don't they? Oh, they love it. I, I assume, Well, I know that they get a lift in sales. Um, and then they wonder by, why about, you know, issue five or six that sales have dropped off because they, they're getting the, the alleged collectors. Like, I've already heard people saying, oh, this is going to be a real collectible, this Captain America number one. Look, if you're still here in 2110, maybe Captain America number one that was released this month might be worth something. Yeah, it's a little hard to work out. When you consider especially that there's a cosmic cube involved, uh, I think really all bets are off. Yeah, but yeah, they'll they'll do something ridiculous with it. So uh, I don't, I don't. Know. Yeah, Mar- I understand why Marvel are chasing the money. It's it's what they're meant to do as a business. But I think the guys that wrote in the seventies, eighties. I'm not going to mention the nineties. <laughs> the seventies <laughs> and eighties knew how to do good stories. They sold like buggery. Yes, it was before the internet. Yes, it was before the amount of movies and stuff you've got now. But I'd still argue real high quality stories that they could be, you know, have a good business model. Nineties, uh, I think we're, we're at risk of repeating the nineties if we aren't already. 
Well, some people would be happy about that. Isn't that the, the hipster way? Oh, the hologram covers? It's, at least I haven't bought them back yet. Yet. Although, I mean, I must admit, I quite enjoyed the hardcover versions they released of uh, uh, oh, it was one of the current Batman series. Okay. It's, it's actually, that's actually pretty schmick. I think that looks pretty – that's pretty neat. Not that I can afford them. That's a trouble. I, I think it looks pretty good. Oh, some of the hardcover stuff looks brilliant now. But, yeah, those 1990s – and, see, sadly, I collected comics from when I was, I don't know, let's say eight or nine till I was about – 15 if I was going to guess 16 yeah. uh, and then stopped and then got back into them when I was uh, about uh, 24 because I had a bit of money um, thought yeah I might start collecting comics I had no idea that this 90s tacky crap was just a fad and I thought oh this must be the way it is now and I bought a bog load of it not for collectors viewpoint just to read stories so I, I sadly have probably a couple of hundred of those comics with hologram covers and cards inserted and polybagged and you name it. Well, that might be worth something sometime. You never know. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it too. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got to hope. You got to hope. Yeah. So good so, old Marvel. So Captain America. Yeah. Will you so, be buying it, Simon? Actually, I think I probably will. Okay. Because I'm, I'm curious to see where the story goes. The bit of artwork I'm seeing on this website is encouraging. I do like the art. Yeah. that's. I have to admit, I, I like a good story, but I want it to look good as well. And there's a lot of comics I'll have a look at. And if I don't like the art style, I probably will not get the hard copy. In fact, yes. I definitely won't get the hard copy. The only exception to that is Deadpool. There's a reason I've got every, apart from the first one, apart from, uh, there's a reason I've got every goddamn Deadpool comic. And that is because I'm completely blind in that regard. I think we all have a superhero blindness if we're into that stuff. Like mine's Daredevil, I'll tend to buy everything. Um, I just like in this article on Gizmodo or io9 where they've um, photoshopped the the text. So it's Hail Hydra. Captain America says then, oh, crap, wow, I'm sorry. What was I even thinking? I meant Hail Hydro. Hydroelectric power is a green, scalable, cost-effective and most importantly domestic solution to our ongoing energy crisis. That's more sounds like the Captain America I know. It sounds more like bloody Captain Planet. Yeah, true. <laughs> Thank God he's gone. So do you think this, this is something that's going to stick around or do you think this is just going to be uh, uh, Dallas and Bobby waking up in the shower and an entire season being a dream kind of bullshit? Well, see, I'd argue everything Marvel's done over the last five to ten years has been that anyway. So this whole battle world shit that they just went through where the whole world ended and um, they're on... Like, I didn't even read any of it, but I think it's all bullshit from the moment that happened. Like, I won't be surprised if they retcon that whole thing. Could be wrong. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm sure it'll change. I mean, look at Wolverine. They, they killed Wolverine, then he was old man Wolverine. I actually don't know the chronology of all this stuff. He'll end up being back in the costume. It's like the Civil War movie, which was brilliant, but Spider-Man's now a you know seventeen-year-old in two thousand and sixteen. Yeah, yeah, that's. I, I, I understand the purists will get rightly annoyed that I've just mixed up the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the comics, but you get what I mean. Yeah, but th- that's the thing. I mean, it, it is. <laughs> The whole concept of chronology is just completely 
stupid at this point. Yeah. Because the, the comics have danced all over the place for I don't know how long now. Um, so the movies get to cherry pick this, that or the other from wherever and then kind of glue it in as they like. Uh, is what's, chrono- what's part of the chronology? What's canon? Who's canon? Which canon? Uh, uh, yeah. It's a, a bit of a mess and maybe maybe everyone's getting a little bit too bent out of shape because they're hoping for the whole thing to kind of make some kind of cohesive sense when clearly I think it never will. No, I mean the days of – I know I'd like to return the days of the late 70s, early 80s where you could still read a Marvel comic, for example, and it would allude to something that happened in the past and there'd be the little box down the bottom of the panel saying, see Amazing Spider-Man number 179. And it was essentially one continuity. There were variances, but it, you still felt like you were part of one storyline to a large extent. That disappeared. I don't know that anyone could put a date on it, but it wasn't long after that. Yeah, whoever the little guy was who did that is either retired or gone completely irredeemably insane. <laughs> True. <laughs> there's no way you could do that anymore. There's, there's just too many. There's too many different strings. It looked like one of those. Um, one of those CSI charts, you know, where they've got bits of evidence pinned to the wall and then they've got little bits of red uh, red String. connecting them. And, yeah, it's like a three-dimensional, hyper-dimensional one of those. Yeah, no, I agree. And, I mean, to be fair to the current mob, um, Marvel started back in the late 80s. I can't remember it was about 87, if I was going to guess. They launched their new universe and launched, I think it was half a dozen, maybe ten titles of brand new superheroes most of which sunk without a trace i think and one or two of them did come across to um the main universe and then when i got back into it in the 90s that's when they first launched the 2099 line so spider-man doom uh ravage and something else hulk hulk 2099 and they're still around today to a greater or lesser extent yeah so they've been stuffing around with this you know for 30 years it's just like different it's uh, different versions of Shakespeare of a, Mid- <laughs> a Midsummer's Night's Dream or something like that you've, you've got the, the core material and then everybody riffs off it basically that's right every production every actor it's all interpretation I suppose to some degree we just have to let go and, and chill out a bit about this sort of thing Look, I mean there's a, a new animated Spider-Man series is going to be made, not surprisingly, I suppose. Uh, but that's going to be Miles Morales in that. Okay. Peter Parker. Yeah. So despite the fact, I think, didn't Miles Morales' universe end? Yeah, but I think... Oh, and this is the thing, the way they did it. I don't understand all the, the intricacies, but they essentially merged them. Yeah. Um, and hi, Anna, our newest listener, by the way. I'm Hello. sure this is boring the living shit out of you. Sorry. We'll get back to non-comic stuff on another episode. Um, what does she like listening to? Uh, well, she's a dear friend from um, my university days. I think she would like anything to be discussed around life, the universe, everything, and wine. And I don't mean that out that she's an alcoholic, although she may be because I haven't seen her for a number of years. And are you an alcoholic? Well, I'm going to take no response as affirmative. <laughs> 
we, we'll have to get her on one day. But no, that wasn't my way of shutting this down because we have got a good running sheet. I'm just warning her now that we're, you know, 20 minutes in saying, sorry, but there's going to be a lot of comic stuff. Yeah, well, comic comic themed stuff. The, yes. the, the The modern gods, superheroes are the modern gods. They are the uh, Athena and the Zeus. As opposed to um, As Jack opposed Kirby's to- new gods. Uh, oh yes, now there's there's something that really hasn't been well. They barely they haven't even really touched it, have they? No, not that I'm aware. I, I actually have never read the original series. I just know that it's. Uh, I, my understanding was it's a bit dense and a bit serious. Um, but a lot the people that love it love it. Yeah, it is a bit dense and a bit serious. It's it's positively operatic. And, and that's just remind me just to jump out of comics for a minute, but very, very similar is I just finished reading uh, Neil Stevenson's latest book. Um, have you read any of his stuff, Simon? So, I mean, Snow Crash is what he's best known for, for, but he's had a bunch of other novels. I have not heard of that. Okay. Snow Crash is what's considered the first novel that seriously introduced the concept of the metaverse or virtual reality as far as a, a lived experience for people within virtual reality. Oh, um, I, I actually own Snow Crash, but I'm, I, I'm ashamed to admit that I haven't read it from start to finish. I need to go back to it. Anyway, Neil Stevenson's latest book, he's, he's known as being a, a hard sci-fi writer. So he, he does go into graphic detail about the technology. Um, and his latest book's called Seven Eves. It's been out close to a year now, but I only just finished reading it. And essentially what the, the premise of it, of it is that um, the moon explodes and breaks. The moon breaks up into seven pieces. Uh, not seven pieces, sorry, it's nothing to do with the title. It breaks up into a number of pieces. I think it's nine or ten pieces. Um, and then it's essentially three novels in one. The first novel is the preparation for the fact that the world's going to end because the pieces keep bumping against each other and form finer and finer shards. And then what happens about, I think it's two years after that, the Earth's bombarded with meteors for 5,000 years, so it becomes uninhabitable. It essentially boils for, for 5,000 years or 4,000 years. I'm, so, I'm a little little uncertain about the science of that. No, but- well, I, this is the thing about Neil Stevenson. Um, as much as they're guessing on if the moon exploded because the chance of happening is very low, my understanding is the science behind if you've got a, ho- a bunch of large objects in very close orbit to each other bumping into each other that that is in fact what happens they get into smaller and smaller bolides or meteors uh and then they start being drawn by the earth's gravity Uh, as far as whether it would essentially make earth uninhabitable yeah i'm sure there's a bit of guesswork there but more concerned with how exactly the the moon would get blown up oh no no well the, he's very upfront about that no one knows so yeah it, it is the it is the premise for the novel and he doesn't attempt to explain it okay right well that makes as much sense as as captain america being a hydra agent i suppose yeah that's right so essentially it happens they look up in the sky and some and suddenly the the moon's in bits all right so and they call it the agent cause it they don't know where the agent was you know something that had happened to the moon or who knows. Anyway, first first part of it is, you know, um, there's people on a space station already, essentially our ISS space station now, how the, over a period of two years they managed to get that into a semi-workable environment for about 1,500 people. <laughs> Sorry. 
Now, well, and again, the science behind it is, is quite fascinating if you're willing to read through the pages and pages of explanation. But everything he explains is doable with the big assumption that Earth could get as many rockets and, and or not space shuttle, but, you know, launches from different parts of the world in those two years. So the, the biggest challenge I think he has with the logic is I would have thought if we all found out tomorrow we had two years until the world ended, I still can't imagine most of society functioning. Whereas the story runs on the premise that essentially it does. Yeah, well, my apart from the, the uh, crazy notion of the moon breaking up other than something, something massive passing nearby and it getting torn apart by tidal forces – the, the notion that the something as shitty as the ISS surviving with tons of um, micrometeorites swirling around the planet where the Earth is going to get destroyed. No, so it's above the orbit for that, but and, and it's where the, its position, it's not between the moon and... Anyway, it's all explained in the book. Well, he clearly doesn't have much of a, an idea of how close to Earth the... The, the space station is you know, at the moment. No, that's why, and this he, he doesn't. It's not the ISS. It, it's it's alluded to as the ISS, but it's called something slightly different. So the science is actually quite solid from everything I've read. It's more the the grinding necessity to go through pages and pages of explanation to understand it. Um, so that's the first part. And then when the world basically the world ceases to exist, the second part is how the people on that end up been seven survivors that eventually get to the biggest part of what's left of the moon and find a big, a bit like our last Star Wars, find a big crevice where they can safely land and, and, and try and survive without uh, other meteorites, radiation, you name it. So that's the second part of the book. And then the third part of the book is 5,000 years later when the Earth in theory could be inhabited again but how they repopulate the earth and re re-terraform the earth and all that sort of stuff okay well if, if you like hard sci-fi i recommend it i enjoyed the hell out of it but I, I admit i would tend to when he's talking about all these ways of transporting goods from um you know earth to what they ended up building in space and it's all based on science these aiken loops and there's all this stuff but it requires a i think you need to be nearly an engineer to get a lot of enjoyment out of it i think i'll stick to greg greg bear well my understanding is he yeah he, he's considered one of those but not quite as grindingly engineering focused yeah uh, hmm. Okay. Well, uh, i'm sure the i'm sure the engineering specifics of the of the book are absolutely bulletproof the fundamental underlying premise i would call bollocks but um, yeah but then that's all of star wars as well yeah but that's okay it doesn't it doesn't actually try it doesn't pretend that it's science actually means anything because it doesn't it's space fantasy yeah. the, the death star is is a ludicrous notion if you think about it any of them including the most recent one. Oh god yeah yeah that's the most ludicrous of all Anyway, sorry, I, I took us off, but that just reminded me. So Seven Eves, and it's it's literally 900 pages. Hmm. Um, is how much of that is appendices? No, none. This is the trouble. Right. It's all within the story. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Um, that's it. I read the whole thing and enjoyed it. But, um, yeah, I think you could have made a much more entertaining 500-page book. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's so popular now, I think he can just say, like his last two or three books have been those eight, 900 pages. 
He can oh, just right. make his own call now. Right, Robert Mitchum. We've got a new one. God, there's a blast from the past. <laughs> I know nothing about him apart from the fact his books were all enormous. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever read any of his, but I remember they're big, thick books, yeah. The, the sort of books that people took on holiday with the intention of reading but never actually doing it. Now, Robert, who's sure it was Robert Mitchum? Because he was the actor, but it was something very similar. Something like that. Yeah, see, now I've got to know. Oh, I don't care. No, I'm, not, I'm hopeless like that. But, yeah, keep going. Sorry. So the, the, the actor and the author, they're both dead now, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's very true. Confident. So just what about the broader subject of retconning our childhoods? Do you think there's, there's a bit too much of that going on? Um, I'm thinking specifically, well, the, obviously there's been an awful lot of outrage about uh, Captain America, who's always been a Hydra agent, blah, 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 whereas that's a, a typical internet going off half-cocked and uh, probably no one, very few of the people getting outraged had actually read the comic and considering only one of them's come out so far, it's probably a little bit premature. But there's also been the same sort of noise being made about uh, Ghostbusters, the, the yeah. new Ghostbusters film, and whether or not, uh, leaving aside the, the the gender of the the various casts, uh, is just that I think probably the thing that seems to be upsetting an awful lot of people is the fact that it's basically taken the name and the premise, but it's the previous two movies don't really exist in this new movie's universe. Even so, though, uh, um, Bill Murray, at least, as far as I know, is making a cameo. He's not making the cameo as his character. He's, making, he's, he's another dude, someone else. Okay, yeah. I mean, I've only seen the trailers, and the trailers didn't leave me as cold as a lot of the, the comments. I know there was a big controversy around the fact that it appeared that people from the movie's production car, whoever, were removing negative comments. Ooh, that's never a good thing. It was something like, yeah, it was definitely something like that. There was a lot of, con- but I mean, the trailer was a trailer. It looks like it's way too close. It, like it's yeah, it's just it's like a reprint or a redo of, of the the same movie. Um, I can't see how engaging it would be. But if you haven't seen it before, I suppose it could be quite good. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's the case. I mean, there's plenty of people that seem to. Uh, okay, when I say people, I mean people of a specific age group that enjoy the uh, the prequels, Star Wars prequels, seem to enjoy those well enough. Yeah. Though the, the molten, raw, lava-hot hatred of those movies is still very much incandescent at this point with a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as reconning our childhoods, I just don't think it's not... It, they don't give a crap. It's all about the money. And, and to be sympathetic to some extent... People our age, so, you know, the wrong side of 40, we're not the market that is going to grow. So they need, you know... Oh, it's cold. The 12, the 12 pluses is who they, who they need and they'll yep. do whatever it takes to get them interested. The Civil War movie, again, Spider-Man is a 17-year-old in 2016. He was great. I can see how if you're a 17-year-old, you, you're going to at least find him amusing, if not cool. He definitely wasn't cool. No, Spider-Man was never cool. No, but even in this movie, like, he's, he's very much... No, that's right. He never was, and they've at least been true to that. They haven't retconned that. He still is the geeky kid, just with a much better-looking auntie than he had in the original iteration. 
yeah, somewhat younger, I believe. Yeah. Um, and I'm not finding that. Can someone tell us who the Mitchum author, author is? Because I totally remember that, Simon, but it's not Robert Mitchum. There's something Mitchum, isn't there? Yeah, I, that, it totally rings a bell to me. I just can't find anything about a Mitchum author. Is it Mitchell? Anyway, sorry, keep going. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> Um, I don't think we're bothered talking about Superman renouncing his American citizenship because that was a, a one-off and everyone seems to have forgotten that. Yeah. So, yeah, that that happened. I suspect that Captain America, the outrage over Captain America will die a similar death. Yeah, it's all it's all just flash in the pan stuff to sell a few more comics. Yes, and, and speaking of death and flash... Do you think the Black Flash could make an appearance on TV's The Flash season? Three? So explain the Black Flash. So as a as a Marvel head, as a, even though I've just slagged them incessantly, I don't I don't tend to own. I think I own about a dozen DC comics in total. If you ignore Sergeant Rock, I've got about fifty of those. Um, but I do own um, Day One, Batman Day One. By some fluke, I bought it in the News Age and just thought I might buy Batman for change. It's one of the most valuable Batman comics in recent decades. Oh. I was quite pleased by that. Oh, and I also own Suicide Squad number one, which is worth a little bit at the moment because of the movie. Yeah, that I think is going to see a fair bit of buzz on it. Yeah. More so than a recent DC movie, which... Yeah, we won't say that. So who's Black Flash? The Black Flash is something of a, um, a mystical, mythical kind of creature. Uh Basically, he's the Grim Reaper for speedsters. Ah, uh, okay. So, as you know, Barry Allen isn't the wasn't the first Flash. No. Never, he wasn't the only Flash. Uh, and like all things, speedsters die. And there's a. This is a spoiler for the end of the uh, season two of the Flash. So, skip ahead thirty seconds. But basically, uh, Zoom, Professor Zoom, I don't know if they call him Professor Zoom, but Zoom featured as the chief villain okay. in season two and was defeated. Uh, again, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Uh, but something Wraith-like, shall we say, seemed to appear towards the end. And quite honestly, if uh, if it if the Black Flash did show up as a villain or a protagonist in season three, that could be the, uh, quite frankly, that gives me the, the, the shivers just thinking about it because that's, that's a, that's a figure. That's not just, that's not just the dude. This is, this is something that's a, an elemental part of the universe. Effectively. This isn't some guy you just get the better of. And I think that could be a, that could be quite quite amazing because uh, you've 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 been watching Daredevil season two, I assume. Yeah, I, and on the Flash, I think I watched the first two episodes, and it's not that I didn't like it; I thought it was quite good. I just have no history with the Flash, and it, it just got lost with other priorities for TV. The odd time I watch it, but yeah, yeah Daredevil season two um, definitely got darker even than season one. Uh, but yeah, extremely good. The Punisher was brilliant. Yeah, it's there's it's a, I find it fascinating that the the TV shows for the most part I think are actually 
better than the cinematic universe. Yeah, absolutely. Both point. Yep, couldn't agree more. I mean, I haven't seen, believe it or not, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I've, I've seen both seasons of Daredevil. Jessica Jones was brilliant. Um, uh, what are the other ones? Um, Agent Carter, I haven't actually watched either, but I am keen to see that. Yeah, well, that's been cancelled. Yes. But, uh, there's a fan petition up at the moment to try and get that picked up by Netflix. So that would be good because I think that's a show that didn't quite manage to hit its stride, but I still think it had an awful lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, no, I, I agree. And, and the D, I mean, I've only watched a couple of episodes of The Flash. Um, Green Arrow, I haven't watched it all, but I've heard it's not bad. Um, what are the other DC ones? They're the two at the moment, aren't they? Uh, there's the was it DC Heroes of Tomorrow, I think it's called. Okay. Which I've only I've only watched the first episode of that, and I've got to admit, um, not not exactly it hasn't exactly set my world on fire. But I'm assuming it's going to get better. Some of the some of the acting I'm finding a little bit uh, awkward, even though the character most of the characters that are actually in this are ones that have already been established in the Flash and in Arrow. So, so they're fine. It's, I think it's the, the new guy with the spaceship that uh, I'm having a little bit of issue trying to get past, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah, I think they both got both TV uh, universe have got a bright future. I mean, Marvel with just Luke Cage, based on what I've seen of him and Jessica Jones, will be excellent. The Defenders should be great. Um, I think it's, I don't know whether it's confirmed, but big rumours of a Punisher standalone series now. Um, that would be very interesting because that could be very gritty and very dark. Oh, God, yeah. And um, oh, Iron Fist 2 is the other one that's coming out. That probably wouldn't be quite so gritty or dark, but maybe that's the spin they're going to go for. Yeah. And, I mean, the Doctor. going back to the movies, the Doctor Strange movie trailer looks really, really good. I've, yeah, I haven't even seen the trailer. I've just seen the pictures of uh, Cumberbatch with, uh, with the makeup and I've just looked at him. Today, when I was scrolling through some stuff, thinking, "Shit, that's Doctor Strange." Yeah, no, he, he looks great, and the tra- definitely watch the trailer. The actual, it's very different from a Marvel movie, as Doctor Strange is very different from the standard superheroes. There's a lot of mysticism and just some of the very Matrix-like effects in some of the scenes I've seen, but it looks really cool. Yeah, and I, I, don't, I think that the some of the noise about whitewashing, I'm I'm just going to ignore that. There just seems to be a lot of hysterical reactions about some of these things. Mm. Yes. So there you go. Mm. When too many comics aren't enough. So what, what? besides comics, is there any other dominant pop culture phenomenon that's going on in the world at the moment? Well, you were talking about really, 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 really thick books. you <laughs> going. Um, have you been following a little TV show called Game of Thrones? Spoiler, 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 probably. Yes, I've heard of it. Yeah? Yeah, I, I'm a tragic for that, like, you know, half the world population. And the wonderful Anna that I mentioned before, I know. See, it was worth waiting this long if you have Anna, otherwise this is all pointless. Um, <laughs> she um, is, is a big tragic Game of Thrones fan as well. So, yeah, been following I'm up to date, um, as I, I know uh, you, Simon. So, again, spoiler, 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 the big one this week was obviously finding out the history of why Hodor's called Hodor. Um, an in- inimitable style of, to find out anything decent usually involves someone dying, in which case, in this case, being him, sadly. 
Well, in, in this case, like at least three people. Yes, that's right. So, um, including the children of the forest. Yes. Well, when you find out what they did, they kind of had it coming, really. Yeah, well, we're in spoiler show, so if you're still listening, more fill you. Yeah, so that, that was a bit of a shock that they created the White Walkers, but it, they, they explain it very well. I like the fact that now that we're not bound by um, Martin's books because we're past that, it's, it really does feel like there's more momentum in the show. Yeah, it does. It, things seem to be moving at much more of a clip, don't they? Yeah, so given that they're saying, well, they're saying one more series after this or maybe two, one more season, I mean, sorry. I hadn't heard that, but I, I've, my sense is that probably one. Yeah. So, yeah, it's happening at a rate of knots. But, yeah, look, Hodor, very sad. Um, I think they pulled it off credibly, wise names, Hodor. I still – time travel confuses the shit out of me, and I know I'm not alone. Um, the fact that he can now look into the past and alter the past or influence the past, it, it all gets a bit – well, that, but that's the paradox of these things, you see. Yeah. He, he didn't really change the past because he'd already done it. It was already it had already happened. Yeah, but I mean, for him to tell the young Hodor to, yeah, it was walking. Yeah, I know. I just find it. it that's why I don't cope with this. This is why I wrote one hundred and five thousand words of a novel. by the end of this uh, last year and I've now decided to shelve it because I've tied myself in so many knots because I was stupid enough to involve uh, time travel in it. Ah, yeah, well, that's always, it always turns into a bit of a problem unless you use the multiverse solution. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, I'll I'll have a go at my first novel. I've dreamt about this for 20 years. I'll involve time travel. And you get 105,000 words in, which is not a bad size of a novel. And you go, I can't see any end in sight. And that's without the fact that I think there are so many plot holes in this, you could fall in 28 of them. And I don't think an edit will fix it. So I think I'll start again. That's probably not a bad idea. Although, um, unfortunately, J.R. Tolkien... No, not Tolkien. Martin. Oh, my God. Oh, same thing. God's going to do that at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh... He's. I think he basically did a Robert Jordan. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of the Wheel of Time series. I, I am aware. Haven't read them, but yeah, know of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that was basically a, a, a massive, detailed world full of interesting characters and a lot of portent. And then it became pretty clear in the last couple of books that he didn't know where to go. Yeah. He he boxed himself in so tightly he couldn't see a way out and. Although nowhere near as bad, it's obvious that uh, Martin was kind of finding himself in similar territory. Yeah, I think so. You uh, can only plot things out so much. You can. You can. I mean, obviously, the, the whole Hodor thing was something that uh, he'd come – an idea he'd come up with. He's, he's clearly got the broad strokes because um, Jon Snow's parentage and such uh, has already been – he already knows about that and how that all links in with everything else. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so far I haven't seen anything that surprised me because I was kind of already thinking in that direction. But, yeah, it's it's so well done. Oh, it's great. It's great. It's such, such a masterful piece of television. Yeah. And uh, I think at this point it's, it really has gone to a point where it's it's clearly standing on its own feet. Yeah, yeah. Because there's no more books. 
And that's going to be an interesting thing is how much of the book's going to follow the TV series, do you think? Yeah, that's it. I mean, you would think, given that he's on, on one of the executive producers, that he's not going to allow too much that would totally stuff him over in the books, you wouldn't think. No, no. And, I mean, there's superfluous stuff has been removed, a bit like um, Tom Bombadil got removed from the movies. Yeah. Superfluous Targaryen has also seems to have been removed from the, the TV show. Yeah, see, I didn't mind the Tom Bombadil stuff, but I remember the first two times I read that, I thought, yeah, it's dragging out a little bit. Too much poetry. Yeah, it was. Too much singing and dancing and poetry. Good old J.R. So, yes, for those out there that think of writing a book, never involve time travel. Oh, and this week there, there was a, some more recent research. They think they might have solved the grandfather paradox with time travel, which was one of the reasons I decided to shelve the book. Why? Okay, explain. Well, as best as I can because I'm crap at this. My, they believe the paradox is uh, – so for those unaware, the grandfather paradox is that if you went back in time and killed your own grandfather, would you still exist? And what they believe the explanation is, and it's, it's, it's you know still essentially a guess – is that when you go back and uh, kill the grandfather, the you, when you go back in time, the you that exists in the present day dies and therefore by you killing the grandfather, you're not killing yourself because you've already died So, and you're essentially a copy of yourself. And I know I've heard this before. There's a lot of scientific debate around it. And there's a really funny short movie trailer that was in Khan or one of them. I watched it the other day and it's, it basically takes the same tack. Um, and it's an extremely funny version of it. But that's what they think might explain it. Assuming that any of it's physically possible anyway. Well, that still means if you end up going back to your own time, you don't have a house or a car anymore. Uh, you mean in the past? No, if you re- if you return back to the time just after you left. Yeah, no, I so I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. It didn't go that far. But it was one of those, you know, those two minute science videos based on science. They're really cool animated things. They released one this week, I think it was, and I'll try. I'll put a link in the show notes, and it explained it much better than I just did. But it, it, ex- it gave you okay, okay, that could work. I think I'll wait for Vsauce to explain it to me. Yeah, it's just. A bit, a bit like a bit like your exploding moon. Um, yeah, it, that's the thing. I'm reluctant to give any kind of credence to to the notion. There seems to be some problems. Yeah. So if anyone if anyone wants to buy 105,000 words off me and finish a book that would be useless, just contact me via the usual communication channels. You should write eBay descriptions. You're very good. At- <laughs> yes. They always say if you're going to end up having a novel published and published being a very loose term nowadays, that there's at least one novel that you've done that's crap that never sees a light of day. So I like to think that's it. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, that's my, my rationale for not crying at writing 105,000 words for nothing. How many pages are 105,000 words? Uh, well, it's because I'm doing it on the computer and I can compile it into a PDF. It was only about 400 PDF pages, but on a printed page, it should be a lot more than that. So a, an average novel size is considered from sort of seventy to 90,000 words, and science fiction books tend to be between 100 and 130. 
Okay. Well, why people should um, people should tweet you and demand you to finish? No, right. It won't happen because it's rubbish. And that's just not being modest or being too self-critical. I think it is. The actual writing, I think, is okay, but the actual story is rubbish, I believe. And sadly, it was about gaming. We should have a chat about this. I'm sure there's an out. There probably is, and, and yeah, we'll talk about it. But at the moment, I'm staying from scratch if I ever write anything again. You can have a look at one of my abortive treatments as well. Yeah, see? We've all done it. It's good to see. Uh, or not see. Yeah, preferably not seen. So, yeah, Game of Thrones, it rocks. And I've heard Vikings is great as well, but it's just a matter of time. Don't have time to to watch another whole series, but I've never heard a bad report about Vikings. Yeah, it really is problematic. Yeah, I've heard very good things about it. As far as Game of Thrones go, I was going to do it the right way because JB had a sale on and I managed to get all five seasons on Blu-ray for like $104. Yeah, that's good. It's pretty good. So I thought, I'm going to watch these from episode one, season yeah. one, and I think I'm about halfway through season two, and then I thought, uh, uh, no, I'm going to have to watch season six because I'm going to get this screwed up for me by some asshole on a podcast. That's right. That, that's so, a risk. And I know there's a few friends of mine that haven't watched it yet, and it's like, yeah, you're avoiding all media, particularly the Hodor stuff had a huge amount of media around it. You know, It's hard to avoid. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, because it was just one of those uh, jaw-dropping, you're sort of sitting there with the end credits rolling and you're going, wow, wow. And I just love some of the memes. I'm sure you've seen the the big pictures. Someone had cut out a picture of Hodor's head and put it next to the um, open door button in a lift as far as hold the door and all that sort of stuff. There's some really funny memes going around. Uh, I'm a bit slow at the moment. I haven't drunk enough wine. That's right. I need to remedy that right now. That's right, because are we, are we finishing up? Is it wine o'clock? I think it's wine o'clock. Nice. And I'd, it's edit o'clock for you. Um, I didn't have anything else beyond you just saying about time to watch TV. Yet I, we all do stupid things like I did yesterday. It was a rainy afternoon. Someone else in my household, after nagging for months, agreed to watch Interstellar finally. And I, th- well, I said, you watch it and I'll get some work done. And then ended up for the third time watching a three-hour movie. Okay, now we have our trifecta of dodgy science. Yeah, again, it's, well, I, I give it a 50-50. 50% of the science is solid. The other 50%, yeah, is pure guesswork and extrapolation. But, Jesus, a good movie. Yeah, I. this probably says more about me than anything else. The, the characters I related to most was the robot. The robots were great. Robots were awesome. They're some of the best depictions of robots ever. They were the best people in the movie. Cars and I've forgotten the other guy's name, the other robot. But, yeah, they were brilliant. Oh, see, I, I'm a big Matthew McConaughey fan. I liked his approach as well. You enjoyed Sahara, I can tell. No, I haven't watched that. Oh, really? Actually, it's quite good fun. I've, I've only seen him in True Detectives, which I loved, uh, and then this. I haven't watched a lot of his stuff. Do you ever get him and Woody Harrelson mixed up? No, but they're in True Detectives together. I could see how that could happen. Terrifying. Yeah. Uh, they don't look anything alike, though. Oh, they don't. Do people get them mixed up from a physical viewpoint? I don't know. I just sort of sometimes I find them kind of meshing. Yeah, well, in True Detectives, they're essentially partners. So it's, if you haven't watched it, that's a great series. 
Yeah, I, it's one, I've really got to watch that. So that's why we should wrap this damn thing up right now. Yeah, so we can go and watch things. Assuming anyone's still listening. <laughs> if you are. Thanks, con- Anna. <laughs> congratulations. And uh, why? Well, yeah. Oh, and sorry, a very quick apology. For those that are still listening, um, if you are subscribing via iTunes, there appears to be an issue where the last episode four weeks ago hasn't appeared in the iTunes feed, um, and I, it's only just become apparent to me today. I actually would argue it was in the feed because I always check 24 hours later, but it appears not to be there anymore. I can't see an issue from our end. So if you missed the last episode and would like to get it, then please do go to what Simon's about to say, how to access the podcast, but um, hopefully the publication of this episode will fix the issue. And if you haven't heard uh, the last podcast, or in fact this one, then there's really no point in me continuing that sentence. <laughs> but, Unless they're time travellers. Uh, from, the, from the broken moon. Uh, I, mm, okay. <laughs> so, so many problems just with the fundamental premises. Yeah, I know. Never mind. So thank you, everyone, for listening, assuming you actually knew this episode existed. And uh, don't regret listening to it and wasting your time. And also, thank you for not deleting this disaster from your subscription. As always, we are keen to hear your thoughts on the podcast, suggestions for topics, conspiracy theories, death threats, uh, pleas to read David's novel. Just all of them, any of them, to contact at oceanicgamer.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter. David's handle is at Creative Shed, and I'm at RPG Beats RL. For earlier episodes, please visit www.creativeshed.com or subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. And that's it, I think, David. And you- Google Play if you're in the US, I'm guessing. Yes, we've got no way of checking whether that's no. working. If it's working as well as iTunes is, then. <laughs> It's a it's fallen into a black hole. That's right. Which oddly enough brings us back to Interstellar. Oh, I love that movie. They should have said that it was rotating at high speed, and then the whole time dilation thing would have made sense. But anyway, that's not really the issue. It's too late in the day to start that conversation up. No, I agree. Thank you, Simon. You're going to say goodbye, David. Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> I did that last year. I can't do goodbye, David, again. Thanks for thanks for resisting the temptation. <laughs> thanks again, everyone, and have a fantastic week. Bye. Bye.